welcome to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Aim, and you can call me H. And filling in for our regular queue is another queue today from the Cane and Rinse and Sound of Play stables. Uh, we have uh, Tom. <laughs> Tom Quillfeld. We, we call you the honorary Quintel for the show. Sure, you back up Q. Um, you could call me Q Ball. <laughs> I don't know how much um, hair Ryan has. I have very little. So Q Ball is, is a sort of apt nickname. At least the um, names that we'll be calling each other shouldn't change much in the show. It's a good way of easing people into a guest. But anyways, yeah, thanks for hopping on the show. Ryan, other Ryan had some real life stuff to take care of. So we're uh, getting together and, and getting some new game ideas out there. Just the two of us today. Um, if you uh, you do some work in video game music, like why don't you give kind of a brief introduction? Oh, you've been on the show before, but just to kind of refresh audiences on roughly who you are and what you do. So I work for Laced Records, which is uh, a video game soundtrack vinyl label, or vinyl is the, the majority of what we do. We also do digital and CD. And we worked on stuff like oh, Hotline Miami is the sort of most famous one we launched with a Kickstarter back in 2016. And I've been there almost since the beginning. And we've done Doom 2016, uh, most of the Resident Evil series to date. Uh, that's been a, a huge one for us. Uh, and Mega Man and Bloodborne. And so we've I've had the pleasure of working sort of on the side of some really big franchises and really big games on these little licensed uh, releases, which are very desirable items. You know, these uh, limited edition mm-hmm. vinyl and people seem to really like them. And uh, uh, yeah, so so that's been absorbing my work time. And on the side, I'm a, a giant video game music geek. And I guess that's sort of the thing I try and let define my general video game geekdom because there's so many good video game uh, thinkers now and, and podcasters and content creators and all of the rest of it. So I figure at least having a slight niche is a, a sort of uh, stand more of a chance to stand out. So, But there's some brilliant people in the, in the video game music community as well um, who I can't even hope to keep up with so including yourself ryan so um that's so yeah so that's kind of where i'm coming from terrific well let's see if any of that history goes into the game that you'll be pitching this week obviously no pressure if it's not <laughs> you are more than welcome to branch out of the non-rhythm game uh section but uh, i think we'll we'll wait and see um, with that, actually, I generally like to give guests the option, would you like to go first and get your idea right out the gate or do you want to hang back and uh, save it for the second pitch of the day? No, I'm happy to I'm happy to get out first. It's a it's a half formed idea, but it's one I've ha- had for a long time. It's a note I made to myself, I don't know, two years ago or something. Um, on a very buried and old Google Doc video called Video Game Ideas <laughs> um, that's only useful for this because I doubt I'm ever going to be in a chance to be a developer. But um, So the note was, you're walking around a museum and you're listening to Pink Floyd. And mm-hmm. so I've done some thinking uh, in preparation for the show, uh, not too much thinking, to try and extend that because obviously walking around a museum, so immediately it's like, okay, well, are you in VR? Is this a first person kind of game? There are various indie games and art games where you're walking around weird museums or art spaces or liminal spaces, that kind of thing. So I guess I I must have played something recently that had a little bit of that vibe. And then I've been a long term Pink Floyd fan ever since a friend of mine showed me a concert uh, DVD back in... I don't know, years ago, but the concert DVD was from like 1994 or something. It's one of those experiences I'm sure most video gamers would have, which is which is when you're young and someone expands your horizons with a piece of media and you just can't in that moment comprehend how it just how it exists. It seems so kind of superb and otherworldly and um, transformative. And that's what this Pink Floyd concert, uh, which was a, the Pulse concert, which is based off of the Division Bell album that they did in in the mid nineties. Um, and we were coming to it late as teenagers. I think it's because our, you know, his dad was a big fan or whatever. 
the thing about Pink Floyd is it's it's a very uncool thing to like. I, I, we we we've kind of crossed what Billy Bragg would call the irony gap at some point where because of the internet and because of the word retro, kind of everything old becomes new and cool and horrendously uncool things suddenly become very cool again. And I haven't seen that happen to Pink Floyd at all. I, I, as far as I'm aware, they're still extremely uncool ever since they were kind of taken down by the punk movement from 78 onwards, sort of saying that huge stadium rock bands and concept albums were overblown and overdone and, you know, they weren't real music. They're all just pomp and circumstance. So I, I'm, I'm an unapolog- sort of unapologetic fan of the pomp and circumstance and the grandeur and the concept albums and the sound worlds, whilst also kind of have it, keeping it, keeping it arm's length, the kind of going all the way down to trying to work out what guitar pedals Dave Gilmore is doing, you know, whichever given solo mm-hmm. with. So I sort of try and keep it an, an artistic love of the music rather than a kind of totally obsessed, know every single detail of whatever session they were in. Anyway, part of my reason for loving them is the same reasons I love RPGs in a way and the same reason I love certain other sort of more immersive games is that their best concept albums or their best albums sort of span... I guess 60, 1969 to sort of 1981-ish and you can just get completely lost listening to them and the, each track just takes you on these these enormous kind of sonic journeys and they're brilliant kind of get, get stoned. I haven't done that in a long time. Put your headphones, you can do it without getting stoned, put your headphones on and just go on a journey. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that's very video gamey. Actually, now that we're we've had so many beautiful and immersive and brilliant and weird and psychedelic and abstract uh, video games of all sizes, you know, that I was just playing God of War 2018 just now, and when you go through the blue gates, you enter this kind of crazy prog rock psych realm thing with you know mad structures or whatever so it's definitely the the graphics have caught up with what i think a kind of pink floyd concept album would deserve if rendered in 3d now what i'm not sure about and you might be able to help me is whether this is going to be a any kind of rhythm game like guitar hero rock band or anything like that i think it's probably more likely to be a sort of anthology episodic thing with the museum idea, I was saying, as the hub. And then a bit like what remains of Edith Finch with its, with no spoilers, various sorts of things you enter into in that game. Maybe one per actual Pink Floyd album. So we enter the world of the wall or something. We enter the world of animals. Mm-hmm. And it's a different kind of immersive experience, maybe with some light rhythm action in there, but that being sort of secondary to the aesthetic experience. And uh, and yeah, I don't know how abstract, uh, I, I suppose like Disney's Fantasia, each one could be a different visual style, maybe like a really different aesthetic experience to uh, vary them up. But overall, I think it's all got to be very, very English. There's something very, very English about Pink Floyd, resolutely English. They sit within this kind of pantheon mm-hmm. of English rock that's like Led Zepp and the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and Queen. This uh, And it's got to be, there's got to be some countryside in there, some rivers. And I don't want to see any kind of advanced sci-fi technology anywhere or smartphones or anything like that or visions of the future. I feel like, Pink Floyd is resolutely late 20th century in this sort of vague, floaty, dream, dreamlike space. Um, and I think, I think that's about as far as I got with the idea. Um, but but I, I think I need some help from you, Ryan, to kind of work out what could the mechanics actually be and how big an experience could this be? All right, let's, um, let's start the clock then. So we give ourselves 10 minutes to kind of discuss various ideas and see what we come away with at the end. Usually it's pretty heavily transformed. When we're dealing with music, the immediate temptation is to make this into a rhythm game because you have the kind of, you know, especially with with prog rock, you have not only this kind of repetitious pattern that music creates that kind of maps nicely onto the types of patterns that we see in games like combat and platforming. And, you know, it's all based around patterns and 
and following flows and getting into that kind of thing. So music tends to map pretty well, but the prog rock has the advantage as well of kind of telling a longer story and arcing in ways that are more akin to traditional storytelling than to music. You know, uh, I'm, I'm somewhat experienced in Pink Floyd, but really like my main ends there are like Rush and King Crimson and some of those other bands that do kind of similar-ish types of, of things. And so, you know, I think rhythm is an interesting starting point. But when it comes to to this type of thing, you, you, you talk about having it set in a museum, which kind of brings to mind this idea of exploration as well. And the the downside of rhythm is that it feels often very contained. Like it's, you know, most rhythm games take place like literally on a track. Yes. And yeah. you are responding entirely, just responding to things that are coming towards you, that are happening to you instead of having any kind of exploratory agency that's a that's a good point maybe instead of so we've seen it with Sackboy recently and i guess rayman legends is a famous Mm -hmm. example of almost on rails music based platforming or whatever if we dispense with that if we dispense with the kind of thumper of it all and because pink floyd are much more relaxed well The era of Pink Floyd I'm hewing to here is much more relaxed than Rush or King Crimson in terms of sort of Mm -hmm. raw violent, you know, instrumental violence or whatever. We're talking about very laid back, Mm -hmm. sun tinted kind of chill stuff. Maybe there are subtle kind of no lose rhythm elements whereby you enter one of these worlds, um, say for the the album. Gosh, what's, the, what's even the name of the album now? The one with Echoes on it. I've completely murmured. I, I think it might be. Was that an REM album? I've lost it. Anyway, if you are following the main path, so there's a main path and then rivulets and sort of places you can explore. But if you're on the main path and you choose to kind of walk or jump or, or platform in time with the music that's playing, something will happen that rewards you audiovisually. But if you don't do it, it doesn't matter. Do you see what I mean? So it's like a... A kind of yeah, an inviting yeah. thing, <clears throat> like a flow state, like games that reward you for getting into a flow, but it doesn't really matter if you break the flow. It won't sort of, you know, put you back at the start or anything like that. Yeah. Um, I was going to note that we're, we have seen a few kind of hybrid rhythm and other types of games emerge, games that definitely draw upon kind of rhythmic elements without requiring or without it being like core to the gameplay that's, you know, on display. Uh, last year, there was a game called No Straight Roads in which you play a, it's kind of a, a rock and roll uh, or more of like a punk rock type of duo that are essentially playing a 3D beat-em-up, but everything is kind of timed to music and the entire story is very musically oriented. You're fighting against other, it's mostly kind of a boss rush game with little short levels in between kind of cuphead like in that way Mm. and so you know elements within the environment traps and uh boss attacks and stuff are all timed to the music and so you have to be in tune with with what the music is doing to be able to you know dodge an attack again for something that's a little bit more on the relaxed side maybe focusing it around combat isn't isn't the right choice you know but i feel like there should be some some, i don't feel like it should be a plodding avatar or something i feel like there should be some Mm -hmm. movement but it not be skill based so like astro bot recently on the ps5 just the sheer joy of movement of that character and something like the pathless where you're chaining together to get faster or something not that yeah, fast yeah. but that feels good to move through very you know f- fantastical and abstract spaces perhaps um would be better than just a sort of a plodding like a walking sim or something or perhaps even better than a first person i see i don't know maybe some sections could be first person other sections you could control some sort of avatar i definitely feel like there needs to be pink floyd is a storytelling band i feel like mm-hmm. story is something that needs to happen around these album world album based worlds a bit like kingdom hearts with its kind of themed worlds where you could have a self-contained mm-hmm. yeah. 
narrative. And actually, I quite like the idea of these being quite separate, quite distinct from each other. Again, a bit like what remains yeah, right. of Edith Finch with the, the, the mini games being quite distinct from each other. I really love what we've seen from Psychodots 2 so mm, far, in yeah. which entering anyone's mind, I mean, same thing with Psychonauts 1, but it seems to be played up even stronger in Psychonauts 2, has such like a different look and feel and graphical rendering style that really reflect the mentality of what's going on there. And I was thinking back to uh, Jedi Fallen Order, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, um, a couple of years back, how it had a couple of sections where you know, you would be kind of following a pathway and then turn around and then you are in a different setting. And so maybe there is kind of a uh, kind of a dual grounding between like a real life concert venue, mm. because, you, you know, you mentioned how striking these concerts were and then the kind of fantastical world that they're representing and maybe achieving high combos of <laughs> jumps or speed or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve kind of, I don't know, like opens a portal around you <laughs> to this other world. Like you, you start to see the fantasy instead of the, you know, the scaffolding and mortar of a real concert. You, you know what we've been describing, don't you? We've just been describing flower. If you think about okay. it, because there's a hub, there are different flavored levels. It has fun movement, although flower is, you know, I don't know, quite hard to actually navigate, but great once you get going. Mm. And it's a no-lose situation and you kind of awaken the world and transform it. So so yeah, let's just let's just do flower. Flower but with Pink Floyd. Pink flower. <laughs> maybe maybe not with uh, kind of full kind of whatever was it dual dual shock not dual shock but the the uh Six axis. Six axis, that's the one, yes. Um, how awkward that felt. But I, I wonder whether this should be VR, or whether optionally VR or, or, or actually dedicated VR. Because in dedicated VR, of course, there's more scope potentially for using like 5.1. You know, Floyd have always been on the mm -hmm. cut, tried to be on the cutting edge of sound technology, including inventing quadraphonic sound at concerts where the sound guy would have this massive flipping joystick that they jerry-rigged and be able to move the sound around the auditorium. So I think I think it potentially by having it as VR, assuming people are going to be wearing headphones, you can then do some really cool stuff. And of course we go to the we go to the estate of Pink Floyd and we say, oh can we have all the stems so that we can do proper interactive yeah. music here and duck out and repeat sections without vocals on, for instance. Um, but I still think the vocals should should play a part. Maybe they're so story-ish and evocative that I think it'd be a waste to kind of like try and go some kind of instrumental and not not recognise the language of, and the the lyrics of the of the things. And of course, the wall is this very dark, very nasty album as well. That that's your kind of darker world. I think um, your maybe mm -hmm. your cli dramatic climax because there's some really dark soundscapes in that and songs that are extremely kind of dis almost disturbing in a way they're sort of loneliness and isolation so i think there's plenty of drama on hand so that it's not all just kind of you know wandering through a beautiful forest doing not very much i think we can have some grit in there as well yeah certainly but we have uh, hit our 10 minute mark in which we have to cut it off so uh, do you have a name for this particular Pink Floyd experience? Well, the really cheap answer is Wish You Were Here, because that's just the name of one of their most famous songs, one of their most famous albums. And they are themselves known for taking their own lyrics and their own song titles to, to use for like, you know, later editions, anthology releases and stuff like that. So that or Echoes, maybe. Maybe Echoes is... A, I think Wish You Were Here is a nice one because it does also yeah. kind of invoke an idea of being somewhere else and exploring must, a new yes, space. Yeah. Well, let's go with that then. I'll be providing the next pitch here. Uh, what I want is a kind of bull in the china shop type of game. Um, you are a heavy character. I think like the <laughs> Hulk, you know, I've been playing a little bit of the Marvel Marvel's Avengers uh, recently. And um, you have to platform around in rooms full of expensive and fragile objects <laughs> where every jump and landing has the potential to break things. And, uh, you know, it's easy to build up more momentum than you want and crash into walls. And, you know, it's it's really about trying to maintain some level of, uh, 
you know, trying to get from A to B without, uh, without completely destroying everything, but as a kind of counterbalance, maybe going really quickly is the best way forward because you can, as long as you can keep up the level of momentum without crashing into anything, then, you know, you just, you just kind of glide along, you know, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like Sonic when he gets his speed going, you know, he, he has that real kind of smooth run. And so it's kind of a similar idea to that, to where you can, you know, to minimize destruction, you can either try to go really slowly and carefully and make sure that you, that you really plan out where each jump is going to land and kind of tiptoe around each of the walls, or you can get up to maximum speed and try to stay at maximum speed and, you know, kind of swerve this unwieldy character around all the obstacles without without touching, without breaking anything. So I'm going to start the clock there. So how about, though, you could have it so that people who are crap at it can play a mode <laughs> where you're trying to destroy as much as possible a la the, you know, burnout, <laughs> dangerous golf, that kind of thing, burnout, crash mode. Yeah. And then people who are trying to do the graceful, avoid everything. So it's like a dual game, essentially. I mean, even better is... You could do the Lonely Mountains Downhill type thing where you kind of have competing goals. Mm. Uh, You know, uh, Lonely Mountains will let you, it's a downhill biking game. You can get from the top of the mountain to the bottom and it let you choose like how many of these goals you want to activate. And some of them will be like, you know, best time. And some of them are like fewest number of crashes and you're checkpointed along the way. And so, you know, those are kind of inherently there's a lot of tension between those goals because for the best time you're trying to take risks and get you know to the bottom of the mountain and in whatever manner it takes you know it doesn't matter if you're if you're sloppy if you have to try a certain checkpoint a dozen times but if you're trying to get through in the number of crashes uh, the lowest number of crashes then you try to be careful and kind of squeeze your way through and so sometimes you know you might start off going fast and then realize i ah, kind of falling behind my personal best for the last couple of checkpoints maybe i'll try the and kind of adjust mentally Mm. mid run like i'm still you know six under the par for crashes maybe i just try to be careful from here on out and so it's kind of like no matter how you do you end up winning one of the challenges you can go back and attempt the other challenge on its own later yeah i like the idea of setting off something that you don't mean to that then causes extra (laughs) destruction like accidentally waking up the toddler who's sleep and then he suddenly wakes up and starts smashing things and and you have to distract him or put him back to sleep do you know what i mean like unpredictable elements yeah or these kind of domino rube goldberg type reactions (laughs) you know i i I love it all kind of feeling like a like a board game kind of world like mousetrap or where you you set off the rube goldberg and it's gonna uh, and then you've mm-hmm. got to race it to the end line without destroying too much stuff and like block the whatever the end result of the machine is from smashing the priceless, you know, trinket right at the end. Or maybe there's ways to kind of correct your mistakes. If you've if you've set up kind of a domino reaction accidentally, maybe there's a way to, you know, get in there and destroy a few blocks in the middle mm. that'll keep it from knocking down anything further on. I mean, what you need is, a f- is, is as they were talking about in the Breath of the Wild uh, GDC talk about like fun physics, like fake chemistry, fake physics. You yeah, just yeah. need a construct. And there's all sorts of stuff you could do. You could, ha- you could start from the bull in the china shop and then you could progress to Rude Goldberg and go in all sorts of... I feel like when you when you narrowly avoid something, smashing something really priced, I want the camera to like zoom in and slow motion, like watch your <laughs> watch your arm just like just brush past this extremely valuable thing, um, just to make the yeah, point. Yeah, like those uh, last couple hits in Tekken or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Do you intend to make the character more you know, easier to move than something like an Octodad? Yeah, uh, I would think it would be. I think a really nice kind of reference point in my mind anyways, and obviously things can change as we discuss it more, but in my mind, I think about the recent game Art of Rally, mm. which is a rally racer game where you're driving cars around and they're all very uh they're all very drift friendly, if you think about it in the kind of like ridge racery type of way, where uh I mean maybe even more drift friendly than that, where, you know, if you turn your car kind of automatically uh, it kind of trends towards drifting and it takes, you know, a little bit of finesse and a little bit of thinking ahead to 
kind of pull yourself out of a turn. And, and so I want it to feel like you're a little, you know, you're kind of drifting your turns. You're maybe not as, as nimble as like a Mario would be in this situation, but obviously not completely out of control. And if you do kind of gain that finesse, if you learn kind of the proper times to reapply your acceleration or whatnot, then uh, there's kind of a, a rewarding, you know, there's like a real mastery that could be attained there. What, what are you thinking china shop are you thinking you know antiques and gems and jewels and, and breakable vases or are we having different themed levels here there's going to be like a glass level which is just going to push all the ray tracing to the max and it's just going to be endless <laughs> like blown glass and mirrors and all of that everything's very very shiny yeah i haven't really thought much about the settings i mean the real world settings are fun because you get that kind of vicarious thrill of getting to do something in real life you know the kind of tony hawks pro skater like i wish i could go and skate at an actual shopping mall yeah. but this will have to do for now versus something that you know if we want to make this a more a more kind of involved platformer then creating these abstract spaces allows us a lot of freedom to introduce cool new mechanics like entirely breakable platforms mm. You know, if they're just kind of suspended in space, then it would make sense for, you know, if you land on a platform, it starts to crack and break and you have to get off of it and keep moving before it completely shatters away. You know, those um, secret levels in Mario Sunshine or a Mario Galaxy type level where everything is, uh, it kind of leans into the abstraction and the uh, artifice of the design. Maybe there's a mixture of both. I, I, I still like that idea of, of kind of unpredictable, like imagine do you know do you remember star uh, star trek the 60s series with the little furry things like their the name escapes me imagine a level the tribbles yeah yeah full of super cute sleeping creatures and you're just trying <laughs> to like tiptoe around them and the more you wake up the more then chase after you and the faster you have to go and the more stuff oh, yeah, gets yeah. broken so it's in your interests not to wake them up but if you do happen to step on one of them they'll get angry and wake up and start chasing after you and they might knock stuff over in your wake so it's kind of the more you knock over the more there are to knock other things over and it's a sort of compound destruction and then it, and then flipping that if you say that you know one of the challenges you can do is to try and destroy as much stuff as possible that could be a brilliant fun of just trying to wake up all these creatures and have this them all rushing after you through this breakable environment and smashing things smashing things to be to pieces i think i think there's fun both ways there's fun breaking stuff in games and there's fun of narrowly avoiding stuff i think that's fun as well you know waking up the creatures that chase after you. You know, we've seen chasing levels in Rayman Legends with those kind of bouncy furry things that are trying to bite at you and they kind of push the level forward. It's kind of a, it's used as a, um, as a excuse to do a scrolling level, which yeah. people have differing levels of, uh, for, yeah. of patience for. Yeah, we've seen that in Mario, but I, I don't know if I've ever seen it. I mean, I must have at some point, but like, I think that is clever to where, you can avoid them and that will lessen the number that are chasing after you. And the more reckless you are, maybe even the more valuable routes, you know, intentionally trigger more of them coming awake. Uh, or maybe you get, you know, additional points at the end of a level based on the number that are following you, kind of like the number of Goombas on screen <laughs> when you hit the flag at the end of a Mario level that transform into points. Do you think about sound in this at all? Is there any element where you're trying, a stealth element where you're trying to make as little sound as possible? Or um, I haven't actually played it yet, but Little Nightmares seems to me like there's, there's sort of mm. some of that going on, trying to creep around. Yeah, Little Nightmares is, is a kind of puzzle platformer. Um, it's very much in the kind of like inside and limbo uh, sphere right, of okay. precise puzzle solving rather than kind of just enjoying the joy of momentum and character control. Right, okay, so so very different then. Yeah, it's, it's a very prescriptive platformer, but uh, it's certainly a great atmospheric, evocative game. Yeah, I mean, sound can be a component. Maybe there's maybe there's certain surfaces that act like um, like tuning forks that send out like a resonance <laughs> and can shatter glass objects around oh, you brilliant. so you want to avoid yeah, landing on certain materials. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good idea. Oh, that's such a clever idea. There's so much you could do with resonance and kind of act accidentally mm -hmm. 
triggering you know like the, the the joke about the opera singer who can smash smash wine glasses with certain notes or something and then there's the kind of opposite uh goal of trying to reach the resonant blocks when you're in the you know when you have your destructive uh goals active <laughs> so anyways that is our 10 minutes there i think we got a lot out of that one so uh let's give it a name i have not come in with anything in particular i've got an idea so i let's think see if we could... but it's a pun and we oh, you'd right, have great. to get the rights from marvel you could call it the incredible bulk <laughs> i like that that is a nice little kind of throwback to what initially inspired it as well then we can uh, we can go for bulk ultimate destruction in the sequel. <laughs> All right, that does it for those two. Let's go to a community pitch for the day. We like to hear from our community, and failing that, um, if our inbox is relatively empty, then we like to go to um, various sources on Twitter or Reddit where people have suggested game ideas in the past. Not necessarily to us, but hey, if it's publicly posted, it's in the public domain as far as we're concerned. And uh, that is just what we're doing today. We have a third game idea from Reddit r slash game ideas. Um, this one comes from a user named Jonah Mastro, who says, Shield combat similar to super hot. I was thinking of a game where you, presumably in first person, could throw your shield to defeat enemies, as well as the ricochet the shield and pull it back. You could also block bullets with that shield in a fashion similar to super hot. The game would theoretically be in short sequence based levels with predominantly uh, with predetermined enemy placements and weapon outfitting. Your character could be uh, your character would be a one or two shot kill to emphasize the importance of blocking bullets, and the enemies would be one shot kills with the shield. The game would have very simple graphics, few separate guns, and a short array of levels that could be added onto later. All right, let's go ahead and start the clock. Shields are... Uh, it's a great kind of Captain America, super hot yes. mashup type game. This feels like it fits really Shields well. Shields are back in, aren't they? I suppose with uh, Hades, yeah. with the uh, amazing shield, various mm. shield functions, yeah. Because it's more, it's, it's like a magic boomerang, isn't it? That that satisfying thing of, yeah. of it going not just to one target and back, but to several. Uh, like that sequence in Batman... Uh, returns is it where he's programming the batarang to kind of hit several people in mm. in turn that sort of fueled people's imaginations for later yeah i mean I, I i'm trying to think how you could develop it beyond super hot aesthetically presumably you'd need a very good indicators about when something lethal is about to happen like I, i've literally just been doing god of war uh, 2018 trial stuff where they've got the arrow that shows you, you know, that goes red when someone's behind you and something dangerous is about mm -hmm. to happen. So I think you'd need a very robust system of because if your shield's out and doing a job smacking someone in the face and you need it back. So are we t are we thinking like the Leviathan axe kind of recall button? Yeah, yeah. Or even better, I think um, this feels. I mean, obviously, super hot as is kind of grounding there, but this feels like it's really perfectly tuned to VR. Mm. Uh, you know, we've all seen Captain America throw his shield around and it bounces off of every enemy in the room. And I think there's kind of a kind of a common complaint about it that it's like, okay, yeah, how is how is he doing that? Like, you know, obviously, it's a world that's full of magic, but he's pitched as a character who's a little bit more on the like grounded mm. side. And the fact that he's able to kind of pinball around the shield is something that that feels a little bit out of place with the way that his character is constructed almost. But it like it is very cool. And I think I could really get on board with it if I was doing it myself in VR, kind of throwing it like a Frisbee and then doing the kind of uh, Half-Life Alex, you know, wave of the hand, you know, any kind of like movement of the hand towards my body would call it back and it would take you know, a second or two based on how long or how far you've sent it out to, um, to retrieve it. But, um, you know, it could, uh, it would return like that. Uh, I think the, it would be necessary for the enemy's bullets to be, you know, not necessarily matrix level slow, like in uh, super hot where time only moves when you move, but, you know, slow, bullets like you would see in doom or something like that to where you know you can notice something coming your way um, maybe enemy guns have like a glowing charge up period before they fire as well so you know lots of telegraphing without um you know i'd love to keep it as hud free as possible as well so if all of the telegraphing could be done via 
observations about the enemy's weaponry, whether than um, arrows on screen, that would be, I think, even uh, even more elegant. I feel like you want to be able to move position. Maybe in a given arena or level, you have a choice of several positions or they unlock. Well, you start in one position hmm. and then you have to kind of have defeated a certain number of enemies and then you've got two positions you can now switch between and it goes up to maybe three and I feel like you want the this sort of other element to Captain America is not just the shield throwing, but the the sort of running to catch it is quite a cool feeling as well. Yeah, and that's one of the you know the great feelings about the God of War Leviathan Axe recovery button as well is just sort of being in the middle of combat and and moving your character and bringing it back just at the right time and and it sticking to your hand and the satisfaction that that brings. Perhaps you have a choice of. When your when your shield is thrown and it's either still bouncing around or it's you know stuck in an enemy or a wall or something like that, you can either kind of pull your hand up to retrieve it and wear it on your arm again, or you can send your other arm out as a command to teleport to where the shield is. <laughs> uh, you know, obviously in VR, smooth locomotion is a big trigger for sickness and so uh you know there's always some sort of a workaround where they can get teleportation in there and i think you know this would be also kind of a risk reward because anytime you want to move you have to be without your primary offensive and defensive weapon and maybe you want to try to you know bounce off of a couple enemies um, offensively and have it land where you want to end up yourself as a way of kind of scoring some extra efficiency along the way as well i don't yeah i i I think it i don't know i feel like more on rails slightly i might feel like with fixed positions you could switch between it could be a touch more tactical and where a certain a bit like i'm thinking like time time crisis too not that you're controlling well you're controlling where you are a little bit in time crisis because obviously you've got the duck Mm -hmm. function so i think something like that Rather than being able to warp to whether wherever a shield could be and just be anywhere in the room, like full movement, like super hot, I feel like some some restriction and rigidity might actually really help. I also think some kind of triggerable slowdown where you where you've got plenty of juice, so it's not just like a very quick couple of seconds or something. It's actually yeah, I like think that's I think to have to be able to like bat the bullets out of the air, not just defend not yeah, just yeah. hold up a shield against them, but to actually like smack them out the way could be extremely satisfying. But you'd need to be in slow motion for the fiction of that to work. Yeah, but I I I, I like the idea of the like say ten enemies set up around in various states of readiness to shoot, just like super hot, but but like time crisis, you being in a fixed place and you having to orient yourself about where they are. And if you think to yourself, okay, I'm in a bad position for this particular layout, I'm going to move to position two that that, mm-hmm. that takes me higher than where my character like leaps up. And maybe even if you have to change position to retrieve your shield in certain circumstances feels like it could be quite cool yeah i don't know how could you expand on it what happens in later levels what's it, what does a boss feel like in this game i was thinking there could be enemies kind of like the like likes in uh, zelda that eat your shield at certain points mm. and so maybe you either have to uh you have to spend quite a lot of effort um recalling it multiple times until it finally breaks out of the enemy and that's the way you defeat that one leaving you kind of relatively defenseless for a little while, making it kind of like an order of operations choice as to when you engage with that enemy in particular. Or maybe there are, maybe you have to rely upon kind of other defensive methods until you can get your shield back. Maybe you have to trigger environmental traps using other things you can pick up and throw during those uh, encounters. I think it's all about movement and dodging, to be honest, though. I think as if it's a shield, if it's a shield-based game, it's a naturally defensive game. And I think I still come back to that time crisis too, uh, and one obviously pedal of being able to dodge out the way, or rather, you are constantly mm-hmm. dodged. You are you're always defending unless you choose to step out into danger to be able to attack. I feel like that that's mm-hmm. a really cool idea because of the physicality of it of being like right. I'm going to take a few seconds to regroup. And then I'm going to duck on out and do something proactive and then duck duck behind again if I've, 
you know, if my shield's somewhere, I need to recall it or, or whatever. You need to reset somehow. But but are we we so it's just a, a round shield? It's just the Captain America shield, more or less. Is there any iteration on it? Do we think double shields at Maybe some point it could be? Yeah, maybe there could be different shapes of shields that would bounce differently or some that would be more likely to get stuck in enemies essentially doing double the damage as you can get it stuck in them to do one hit of damage and then pull it back to do a second one as the you know object gets pulled out of them kind of gruesomely like in god of war (laughs) i like the idea that Um, i like the idea that dodging is because you think i think about like dodgeball and the uh is it duck duck dip dive dodge duck dodge dive I like the idea that that when you haven't got your shield, that you've got an extended range of kind of dodging out the way maneuvers you can do, like rolls or something or ducking or, or, or so that you feel like you can be defensive even when the shield is out doing its job attacking. Or if you're going into slow motion, what if it what if it goes? Oh, no, that wouldn't work with the, the batting the bullets. If you throw the shield, it goes into slow motion. So that the shield is traveling to the targets you've been able to mark, res Mm -hmm. style, but then slow motion kicks in. And whilst the shield is away from you, you have to do some kind of martial arts craziness to dodge out the way of incoming bullets. Some kind of contortion game where you've got to keep your limbs out the way. I don't know if it, I don't know if I feel like it should be like pure VR. I feel like it, you know, just because I haven't got a VR headset. So I feel like with super hot, so but you know, <laughs> do you do both? You do the the first person kind of fun puzzle action, and then you have the VR experience if you want it. I was thinking about aiming being instead of having to kind of mark enemies ahead of time, kind of like the Res or like the um, Red Dead Redemption, you know, headshot thing. Uh, you could do a Almost like in uh, in Peggle, how you have that special ability that lets you see where it's going to bounce after a certain number of bounces, and it kind of follows a you kind of see the trail in real time as you move it around. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't know how that would work if you are painting targets, throwing it like a like a frisbee because that involves quite a bit of arm movement there. But maybe you know it's I'm sure there's clever ways to accomplish it: locking or pressing in your trigger to kind of lock in your. Um, projected trajectory yeah. uh, before you throw it. So you're it, seeing a but, very um, much you're you're you're. I can feel like you you're feeling the motion in your arm, like we bowling, right? You're feeling like the actual throwing yeah, yeah, part I, is I, the fun part of the game. Whereas I was for, I, for some reason I had in my mind something more like everybody's golf or you know golf game where you're filling up the meter and trying to hit the the maximum point. And I think that could work as well, especially if you want to do a non VR version. We'd have to come up with some sort of an alternate. So. You know, I think there's uh, room to experiment with both, uh, but we are at our 10 minutes on that one as well. So we uh, we have to close it down and come up with a name for this one too. How about just one word, mononym, just the word wield. Wield could work. Because it rhymes um, with shield. You wield your shield. <laughs> that's true. And it's just a bit more interesting than just shield. <laughs> uh, let's go with wield. And um, again, thank you, Jonah Mastro from Our Game Ideas for putting that one out into the ether. Uh, let's, um, uh, and if you would like to submit a game idea of your own, you can do so by going to playwrightcast.com slash pitch. You can tweet us at playwrightcast, or you can email playwrightcast at gmail.com. In all of those instances, it is spelled P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. And uh, we'd also like to give a thanks to the Canaan Rinse Network, which we are a part of, uh, we have Kane and Rinse that comes out every Monday, which is deep dives into video games. Uh, we have Sound of Play, which comes out every Wednesday, and the Sausage Factory that comes out every Friday, which is uh, interviews with game developers. Sound of Play, of course, where you can hear not only myself talk about video game music, but our guest, who is a frequent contributor. Um, again, Tom, would you like to uh, to plug any recent? Um, you know, you gave a little bit of a background about yourself at the beginning, but would you like to? Give any more kind of actionable plugs at the end here. I haven't done uh, enough stuff lately in terms of content, but the last thing I did was a a big effort, which was a a Hades interview with Darren Korb, which uh, takes Mm -hmm. the form of a blog on the Laced With Wax blog, which you can find through lacedrecords.com. Go to the blog tab. Uh, That's the written version if you like reading. If you don't like reading, there's the podcast version on the Sound of Play feed 
I think in December, maybe. I can't remember. My memory is short. Um, we had a great time and uh, uh, Darren kind of fessed up about his sheer obsession with rock band and how kind of just like <laughs> learning English rough ri- rush riffs, rush riffs, uh, kind of really fed into his score for Hades. That was a really, really fun um, chat. So uh, people should definitely go and check that out. Terrific. And uh, I also wanted to give you the option on the way out of our shows recently, we've been playing a game called Redacted Games, where I read a read the official description of a game from Metacritic, or at least as official as Metacritic is, with key details redacted like <laughs> you would see in a Cold War government memo. Um, is this something that you would like to challenge yourself oh, with? Yeah, or yeah, yeah, I'll be terrible. feel like it would be... I'm always up for a quiz, Great. but I can guarantee no kind of cleverness on my part. All right. So the way that we typically do this is... Um, I'll read the redacted pitch. You can give a guess or mull it over for as long as you need. I will, uh, after an incorrect guess, I will give a few additional details also pulled from Metacritic. uh, And um, eventually we'll kind of work towards a solution. At the end of a third kind of definitive guess, though, we usually kind of call it there. So anyways, um, the redacted game of this week describes itself as Players are put at the heart of their very own redacted movie and let loose in a fully redacted, three-dimensional redacted, with a cast of hundreds, 50-plus redacted, ranging from redacted to ice redacted, and from redacted to redacted. Three hours of redacted, including redacted, and a huge array of redacted ready weapons. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> cast of hundreds. Do I do I just have to come up with a single guess, or can I think aloud for a few seconds? Oh, feel free to think oh, as much gosh. as you need. So the key details were a cast of hundreds, something about movie, like your own movie. Mm-hmm. So it could be a horror movie or whatever kind of genre. And then something about three hours, but that doesn't necessarily mean the game is three hours long. That could be there's three hours of a particular kind of content in the game. Yeah, that's how it's phrased as three hours of redacted. Three hours of cutscene. Well, why would they boast three hours of cutscenes? It'd be three hours of <laughs> cost of hundreds. Cost of hundreds. Is this is this like the, the, the movies? The, that game, the movies? That's a good guess and one that I would choose, but it is not in this case. Okay. So from here, yeah. uh, I typically like to open it up a little bit more. I can give you kind of a choice of additional details also pulled from... Metacritic, if you want the Metascore and User Score, if you want some various awards and rankings, which typically include the year, uh, if you want, oh yeah, um, we need the year, yeah, yeah, like a ten review and a zero review. No, no, no go for the go for the year first. Um, this comes from the year two thousand one. Cast of hundreds, something movie. Are you allowed to? Am I allowed to request a rereading? Yeah, totally. Okay, go for it. So, players are put at the heart of their very own redacted movie and let loose in a fully redacted, three-dimensional redacted with a cast of hundreds, 50-plus redacted, ranging from redacted to ice redacted, and from redacted to redacted. Three hours of redacted, including redacted, and a huge array of redacted ready weapons. Okay, so ice suggests fantasy. I should have uh, I should have remembered that from the first time. Okay, I suggest two thousand one, two thousand cast of hundreds. Cast of hundreds just could just be NPCs. It could just be boasting about what a deep RPG or something this is. My knowledge of like CRPGs and things like that is not great at all. Would they be selling a CRPG even as sort of fantasy movie? Is it like in your own fantasy movie with the cast of hundreds and? Something, something, ice giants or wizards. I don't know. I don't know anything about that particular genre, particularly. I just know the names of like Baldur's Gate and Icewind Dale and stuff like that. I don't know when they were. I don't know if they fit this description. That's right. I will say that uh, this is a game that I'll uh, venture to guess you will be, I mean, not only familiar with by name, you absolutely will be, but you'll have a fair amount of knowledge over its contents as well oh, 2001 is final fantasy 10 is that uh would you that's like to an official guess pose that as a guess okay 
Uh, it is not in the Final Fantasy series. Okay. So I can give you, uh, I'll go ahead and give you, this is a Metacritic must play, <laughs> and it has a meta score of 97 oh. with a user score of 8.4. A meta score of 97. So we're really in kind of all-timer territory here. 2001, 2001, 97. I thought I knew the 97s. <sighs> Ocarina of Time is 90. A nine ninety ninety eight or ninety seven. So Majora's Mask was out within a year of Ocarina of Time, or very very fast, and that that might not even be two thousand one. Mm-hmm. And was that even a ninety seven? Don't think it would have been. Cast. Okay, it's really throwing me off now that you said I definitely know. I'd <laughs> be familiar with it. Movie ice three hours of cutscenes. Movies CG movies. Some epic game. Ah, cast of hundreds. So it's a big, sprawling, epic game. Ice wouldn't feature in a Grand Theft Auto description or something. I will kind of give you a little bit of a hint that the uh, the ice thing was a clever redaction that was intentionally there to throw you off. <laughs> right. So you're saying it is in the description, but I'm. It's being a little bit clever with the wording there. Right. Okay. Is this my third and final guess? Yes. Sorry, is this my third and final guess? Yes, this would be the right. one. Right, okay. Oh, pressure. We need to count. We need to count that music. <laughs> um, read it one last time, please. Players are put at the heart of the very own redacted movie and let loose in a fully redacted, three-dimensional redacted with a cast of hundreds, 50-plus redacted, ranging from redacted to ice redacted and from redacted to redacted. Ice picks. Three hours of redacted. Grand Theft Auto 3. All right, as a third guess there, uh, I'll read the unredacted pitch and we'll see how that uh, worked out for you. <clears throat> Players are put at the heart of the very own gangster movie and let loose in a fully realized three-dimensional city with a cast of hundreds, 50-plus vehicles ranging from sports cars to ice cream trucks <laughs> and from boats to buses. Three hours of music, including opera, reggae, house, drum, and bass, pop and disco, and a huge array of street-ready weapons. That is Grand Theft Auto 3. He pulled it out. <laughs> that was some oh, excellent redacting, I must say. <laughs> All right. Well, that takes us to the end of the show. Uh, thanks again, Thomas, for joining us and for everyone else for listening in. We'll catch you again next week. <laughs> Thank you.